in the in the front here we have a what's called an advent wreath and for the four sundays leading up to to tonight we have been lighting the candles of the advent wreath um, the advent wreath is a historical way that the church has used to to anticipate um, and create excitement for remembrance of the fact that Jesus came into the earth and in essence that that we can still continually welcome him into our lives the advent wreath is this this way of of reminding us that we have been looking forward to the celebration of Jesus' arrival. Because that's what Advent means. It means arrival. So each week what we've done is we've lit one of the candles in the Advent wreath looking forward to Christmas, the celebration of the birth of Jesus, the celebration of what we call the, the incarnation, about God himself coming to mankind as one of us so that he could help us do something that mankind had never been able to do before Jesus came. Help mankind figure out who God is and what God is like. Before Jesus, what had happened is God had spoke to prophets and he had, and he'd, and he'd met with, met with certain people and, and they had written about what they'd experienced under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and people had to figure out what do we think this God is really like. But then God had a plan from the beginning of time that there'd come a time, the incarnation, when God Himself would come into our world And he would live among us in Jesus Christ. Not just a man, but God himself living among us as a man for a purpose. A couple purposes. Number one, to reveal who God is and what he's like. And then also, he would live his life perfectly and then give himself in our place. He would say, you know what? I've lived this perfect life and I'm going to give my life in place of yours that you deserve punishment. I'll take the punishment of mankind upon himself. So with our Advent wreath, what we're doing is we're looking forward to the fact that Jesus would come and that Jesus has come. So tonight we light the final candle in the Advent wreath, the center one, the white one. It represents Jesus himself. And so let's do that tonight. The outside wreaths, the first three are purple and they represent royalty. And each one has a different, a different theme associated with it that we looked at in the last number of weeks. And the, la- the other outside one, the last outside one that we lit yesterday is pink. And that represents joy, saying, he's almost here. And tonight we light the center one and we say, we recognize that Jesus is among us. And friends, that's what Christmas is all about. If we think what Christmas is about, it's not really about presents. It's not really even about family. Christmas is all about us understanding that Jesus has arrived, that every one of us is being reminded that God himself has come to us to welcome us into relationship with himself. Christmas is about us knowing and experiencing the very real presence of God. Now, if you've been with us over the last number of weeks, and I know some of you have been and some of you are here visiting with family, what we've been doing over the last number of weeks is talking about this idea of Jesus being among us. We've been talking about this idea that the best present that we could ever receive at Christmas is presence, is the presence of God, is is recognizing, engaging in the presence of God in our lives. So, So a week ago, Suzanne talked about the presence of waiting in the presence of God. Yesterday, Pastor Mitch talked about living in the presence. And tonight, what I want to talk about is responding.
to the presence of God. How do we respond to the presence of God? You see, the Christmas story is really about God's presence coming to mankind, and then it doesn't stop there. Then it's about how does mankind respond to the presence of God? Our kids earlier um, read the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. And, and I'd like to read the Christmas story now from the Gospel of Matthew. And what we're going to do between those two Gospels, we're going to see some of the responses that people have had to, the, to encounters with Jesus. So Matthew, starting in chapter 1, let me read the Christmas story for you. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as followed, follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star in the east and have come to worship him. Then Herod the king heard this, and he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what, the, what has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. And after hearing the king, they went their way And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced greatly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Two versions of the same story, each showing some details that the other one didn't. Now these two stories, what we see is we see a number of different people. It's telling their stories. It tells the story of Mary. It tells the story of Joseph. It tells about the Magi, or or we sometimes say the wise men. It tells about the shepherds who are in the fields. And all of them encountered God in some unique way. For some, it was through an angel that came to them. For some, it was in a dream. For some, it was actually going and and seeing the baby Jesus in the manger. 
that each one of them encountered God. And also, not only did they encounter God, but they also each had a response to their encounter of the God. There is some action that they took as a result of encountering the presence of the God. And their responses that they have weren't somehow religious. Their responses weren't somehow trying to do duty. Their responses weren't trying to pay God back or earn favor. No, the responses were the natural outflow of encountering the reality of God. So what we see in the Christmas story, kind of the very structure of the Christmas story, is we see people who have this process. They encounter God, and then they respond. They encounter God, and then they act in a certain way. They encounter God, and then they do something because of the encounter. And in these characters, we see what I think is good examples of what our healthy spirituality should look like. Being in the presence of God leading us to response or to action. It's a model for us that we see in the Christmas story. See, I think that when we look at the Christmas story and we see the characters, we see a a model of something that I think should be a model for my life and should be a model for your life. And, And I would use this term to describe what we see in them. That they were something I'd like to call abiding activists. That they were abiding activists. You say, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, the message of Christmas is that God is among us. And friends, as you're here tonight, you need to understand the truth of what the scriptures say and the truth of what so many of us have experienced that maybe you have not, is that God really is by his spirit among us right now. So the message of Christmas is that God is among us. The incarnation is about God coming to us. And the Christian life is about us learning how to engage in or experience the presence of God. That's what Pastor Mitch talked about yesterday. That that's what Christianity is really all about. It's about encountering God and then learning how to engage in that presence. In the Gospel of John, John calls this engaging with the presence of God. He's the word to describe it. He uses the word abiding. And in John 15, 5, this is what he says about this idea of connecting or, or, or relating with God. He says, I am the vine, Jesus is talking to himself, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Abiding here is about knowing that God is here with us now by his spirit and then looking to be aware of his presence And engaging with that presence, it's encountering God in our everyday lives. But there's something more. He says, you abide and you produce something. You abide, and if you abide, you will have an action, you'll have a result, you'll have an activity. You will have fruit, John calls it. That if you abide, then there will be resulting action in your life. And a healthy Christian life is about abiding with God and then responding, then taking action. What I want to call being being an activist. An activist in the sense of actively responding to the presence of God. Doing something because we come to the reality that God is here and God is with us. And that's what we saw in each of the people in the Christmas story. They encountered the presence of God and then they responded, they acted, they became activists in some form or manner in their lives. And what I want us to do tonight is I want us to look at some of their responses. 
I want us to look at some of their actions with, with this hope in mind, that maybe as we look at how they responded to the presence of God, that something in their life may, be, may resonate with our souls, that something in their life might move us to action. And the reason that's so important is that people sometimes understand Christianity only halfway. They think Christianity is all about just being in the presence of God. It's all about sitting and reading your Bible or sitting and praying. And they say, well, that's kind of boring. And maybe it could be. It's not supposed to be, but maybe it could be. But the Christmas story shows us something different. It says we abide so that there's a response. And I would say this, that it's in the response. It's in the action where life becomes fulfilled. That fulfillment in life, the ultimate fulfillment that God desires for you and me in our life, that he's screaming to us at Christmas, is that as we abide with God, and then we're moved to action, we then participate with God in his kingdom activity, that that is where we find the ultimate fulfillment in life. So I want to go look at real kind of briefly some of the responses from the people in the Christmas story with the hopes of this, that you say, you know what? God's stirring that in me because I know this, that if you learn to from, from just taking Jesus as saying, yes, he's important to me, but saying, God, because now I've encountered you, I want you to, to work through me in this world. I want you to, to accomplish things in me and through me that that's where you'll find the ultimate joy and fulfillment that God has designed you to, to complete in this world. So let's look at some of the responses and maybe they'll resonate with you. The first response I see that's, that's, that's just, that just hollers from the, from the story is the response of trust. Think about Mary. An angel appears to her as a, as a young girl and says, I'm going to completely redirect your entire life. You're going to have a baby from God. And you're going, and he's going to be the savior of the world. Mary was maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. Can you imagine this young girl having an encounter with God and he says to her, this is the new direction of your life if you want it. And what is her response? Her response is trust. She puts her trust, her whole trust in God and she says these amazing words, some of the most amazing words in all the Bible. Behold, the bondservant of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. In other words, she says, listen, I'm yours. I'll do whatever you want. Friends, here's a principle. A real encounter with God leads to real trust. Now, I want you to think about something tonight that maybe you've not thought of before. You know, maybe, maybe you're here tonight and, and you come to church every Sunday at, at, at some church somewhere, but maybe, maybe you are a person that says, you know what, I haven't thought much about this Jesus stuff and, and I'm just here to satisfy somebody, to, to be with my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, something. I'm just here. I want you to think about something tonight. The reality of what this night is. Christmas is an annual interruption in your life so that you can encounter God. That's really all this is about. Christmas is an annual interruption in your life so that you can encounter God. Think about it. We stop everything. The stores even close. And people gather together and they talk about Jesus. 
And we sing songs about Jesus. And we pray to Jesus. And we invite him in. We say, Jesus, here we are. We stop everything because we're looking for you tonight, Jesus. It's an encounter with Jesus. And with an encounter, one of the right responses is trust. And probably the most important question you could ever ask yourself on this Christmas or any day of the year is if I put my trust in Jesus. You see, Christmas is God reaching out to you so that you can come to know Him. You can come to trust in Him. And tonight could be the first step on your path of doing that if you never have. You can say yes to Jesus tonight if you never have. And you know what? He interrupted the activities of our world so that you could do that. You can say yes to Jesus. That's one of the responses we see from the story. But there's a whole bunch of other responses. Another response I see is this. It's worship. The kids read from Luke 2, and in verse 20 it says this. It said, it said this. The shepherd went back. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Talking about the angels and then, then the baby. A natural response to an encounter with God is to worship him. It's to glorify and praise him. And I want you to, I want to kind of put it in, in terms of what this really means in, in the real world for us. Think about when your favorite football team scores a touchdown. Now, I understand that if you're a Packer fan, there's not been a lot of those this year. But when they actually score in the red zone, think about what you do. You know what you do? You cheer and you shout and you celebrate. That's what you do. And if you're like Harold and you're a Bear fan, you really do when they win the division, right? Well, God loves you too. <laughs> um, you, amen. You cheer. You celebrate. In essence, that's what worship is. It's cheering. It's celebrating. It's, but it's cheering and celebrating about something so much more meaningful than a touchdown from a game that really doesn't have any eternal significance. Worship is celebrating that the God of the universe knows you by name and that he loves you beyond your wildest imagination. That's what Christmas is about. It's about, it's, it's, the response to learning that is to celebrate and to worship. That's one of the natural responses to an encounter with God. What's another response? Accept. You say, what do you mean? I mean this, accept responsibility for another person. Accept responsibility for another person in a tough situation. Look at, look at Joseph in the story. He's a young man that just wants to get married and raise a family as a carpenter. That was, that was his dream. And that's a noble and a good dream. A lot of us in here, that's the kind of dream we have for our life. I want to raise my family, I want to get, have a, find a spouse, and I want to raise a family, and I want to work my job, and I want, to, I want to enjoy the life God has given me. That was Joseph's dream, and it was a good dream. But he had a God dream. And God says this, basically in essence, hey Joseph, how about giving up that dream for a better dream? And I think he says this, and oh by the way, it's going to come with a lot of baggage, but it's going to have a lot of blessings. And Joseph says yes, and for the rest of his life, his energy goes towards raising the very Son of God, Jesus. It's not his biological child. 
He has all kinds of things he has to do that complicate his life because he's raising the Son of God. But he says yes to it. And I have to imagine at times it got very inconvenient and it was a challenge and it would be a lot of questioning. I want to think about something tonight. Think of the way that God calls people today to do what Joseph did. To accept responsibility for another person's um, situation. Another person in difficulty. Think about things like foster care and elder care and helping a sick friend or a relative who's in need. Think about things like adoption or or visiting a person in prison. Those are responses that come to us when we're in the presence of God. It's the abiding I'm in God's presence, and God says in his presence, now there's things I want you to do. Be active and activist. And it comes from the abiding because of this. When we're involved in the presence of God, what happens is we begin to get the heart of God. And God's heart is always for the hurting. And he compels us to action. So one of the very real responses to being in the presence of God is to say, I want to, I want to help somebody. But it even goes beyond that. There's another response also from the life of Joseph, and it's this. It's to protect. This is also from Joseph's life. Do you remember that, that when the, when we read the story, when I read the Matthew account, it told that Joseph was told in a dream to flee to Egypt. Do you remember that? Do you remember why he had to flee to Egypt? Because King Herod was going to kill Jesus. King Herod was saying, listen, there's this baby born and people are saying he's a king of the Jews. He goes, wait a minute, I'm the king. And he was jealous and he was afraid. And he said, I'm going to take care of that king and I'm going to kill him. And so God warns him by a dream, Joseph, protect this little baby Give up everything you know again and flee to a land that you've never been in in order to protect baby Jesus. Friends, protecting others is a very real result of being in the presence of God. When we honestly spend time in the presence of God, God stirs our heart for people who need protecting. The marginalized of our society, the unborn babies that might be aborted, the young girls or boys that might be trafficked, the homeless that live in our streets. Christmas is about God being so real inside of us that we become his hands and his feet in protecting the defenseless. Because here's the reality. God has no hands or feet apart from our hands and feet. And he gives us a privilege. He says, I want, to be, I want you to be me in the world. The same way Jesus walked the streets and helped the defenseless, he calls us to that. And friends, I would say this to you tonight, that that is a normal result of being in the presence of God, to protect those who can't protect themselves. Let's think of another response. How about this one? Tell. The shepherds had a a God encounter with the angels, and they went and they told Mary and Joseph all about it. And I'm sure they told all the rest of the shepherds and anybody else they could find, they told about what happened. What happened, friends? An abiding activist, a healthy Christian, tells people the good news that Jesus loves them and wants to bring spiritual life and spiritual freedom into their lives. 
There's a Christmas song that we sang a couple weeks ago, that maybe two weeks ago, that, that we hadn't sung in church. I don't remember when. Pastor Mitch led it, and it was, Go Tell It on the Mountain. Remember singing that? Think of the song. Go tell it on the mountain. What do they tell on the mountain? For what? For Jesus Christ is born. That's the message. Go and tell. Christmas is a time to tell everyone and anyone who will listen that Jesus is alive and well. And they go, well, how do you know? And I say this, because I have evidence that can't be disproven. You know what the evidence is that can't be disproven? My life and your life. These chairs are filled with people who say, I had one life before I met Jesus. And then I met Jesus and everything changed. And that is the evidence that we have. We have all the stuff of scripture, but we have something so much more relevant and present right now. If a person says, I don't believe in that, I say, look at me and look at you. We have people whose lives they can say, they don't get paid for it. They don't, matter of fact, it usually costs something and it, and it usually brings challenges. But they say, you know what? Jesus is so real to me that he changed everything so much in my life that I'll tell you that I would never go back. Friends, it's go and tell. And the evidence that we have is our lives that have been changed. One more response. And it's this. Give. The wise men were givers. The magi. Think of what they gave in this story. Maybe didn't think of it like this before. We always think of us one thing they gave, but, but think about this. First of all, they gave two years of their life. We have this little misconception about the manger scene. We think of the manger scene, maybe like you in our house, we have some manger scenes set up in our house. We've had to move them because now we have a granddaughter who terrorizes everything. And so you can't leave little knick-knacky things out. But the manger scenes, they almost are all the same. They got some kind of little house. And they have Mary and Joseph, and they always have a lamb and a donkey, right? Sometimes a camel. And then what do they also have usually? Three wise men. With gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, it probably didn't really happen like that. Historians believe that the, that the wise men actually showed up probably as much as two years after the birth of Jesus. Matter of fact, the story said, how, when Herod asked them, when do you think this happened? And so what happened is they, they gave... Two years of their lives, of their time, in the search for Jesus. And then they used their, their greatest gifts that they had, their wisdom, the things that were their, that made, they made their living by. They were astrologers and theologians. They had studied the scriptures, they studied the stars. And that's how they knew about the star and what it meant. They knew the city, they knew, they knew all the, because they used it, they used their, their abilities, their wisdom. Their talents to worship the Lord and help us figure out who Jesus is. And then they gave gifts. It says of gold and frankincense and myrrh, things in their day that were incredibly valuable. They gave from their wealth. Friends, a natural response to encountering Jesus is to give. It's a recognition that He gave His very life for us so we can, so that we can worship Him by giving from our resources back to him, our time, our talent, and our treasures, like the wise men gave. Look at the ways that we can respond to his presence. 
We can respond with trust. We can respond with, with worship. We can respond by, by accepting uh, the, cha- the responsibility for others in need. We can respond by protecting those who can't be protected. We can respond by telling the good news of Jesus. We can respond by giving of what God has blessed us with. These are all things that, that come out of a life that says I'm spending time in the presence of God, in an encounter with God. And my, my Christmas question. The whole service comes to to the question. My Christmas question for every one of us is this. How is God stirring you to action this Christmas? I know this. He's interrupted your life. There's a sense of an encounter. And what as we're in his presence is he stirring your soul to do? Not because you're doing some religious activity, but because he's inviting you into the activity of the kingdom of God where you then then become part of God's activity and that is where the fullness of life is discovered. So the Christmas story is about you becoming the person God's created you to be by by, by being with him and responding um, to to what he's asking to do through you. That's what the Christmas story is really all about. Becoming abiding activists. People who spend time with the Lord and then that that time propels us into action. Does that make sense? Amen. Christ the Savior is born. Advent. The arrival. He's here among us. We close by praying the blessing over you. It was prayed over the priests in the Old Testament. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Remember, wherever you go, you may have an opportunity to tell. You may have an opportunity to serve. You may have an opportunity to protect what's God stirring in your heart. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas.